Hi, everyone. Welcome into the Deep Fade Podcast. My name is Zach Elliott on the Aletheo Podcast Network. I'm here with Tassos Kirkos and Raven Gasser, as always and going forward. Um, welcome. Thank you, for everyone, for listening and for coming here for the first time. It means a lot, whether you know me or not. My name is Zach. Uh, I live here in Chicago. I have been for the last few years. I studied journalism and sports communication, and coming into this, uh, both in partnership with Tassos Panos and everyone involved, been given the opportunity to talk a little bit about sports, because that's just what I like to do, and why not? And I'm really appreciative for the opportunity that these guys have provided me and to bring my knowledge and what I know to, to everything being done here. But enough about me. Tassos, how are you doing? I'm, I'm great, man. I'm um, founding member show of the network, but I think this is really cool. Um, this is week one, right? Episode one. It's very It's kind of nervous, here. but it's cool. Yeah, I, I think we're going to shake through those a little bit eventually, and it's, it's going to get more steady. More steady, definitely. Undoubtedly. Thanks, thanks for letting me set in, though, on your first episode. I appreciate it. Raven, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you, boys? I'm good. Raven, where are you from? A little about you, because I know we were on Tassos and Panos' yesterday, but I just wanted to give us a little room just to talk about ourselves a little. Yeah, so I grew up outside of Milwaukee, Wisconsin for most of my life, and then went to high school down in Atlanta, Georgia. And now I am about to graduate from college here in Chicago. But yeah. Right on. Well, it is a sports podcast, so I'll start actually talking about sports. Uh, first thing, NFL, week 10. Um, main thing that I want to talk about to start, uh, Texans 30, Bengals 27. CJ Stroud might be one of the Seven at least best quarterbacks in the NFL, but I'm sneaking up on five. I know that that's not fair to say to someone who just came out of college and is either barely older than me or the exact same age, but he's incredible. It's a second game-winning drive in two weeks after a fourth quarter that was mired by picks between him and Burrow that kind of befuddled the mind. It was ugly. I mean, we were here in the studio, us helping set up, and every time that I looked down, it was them throwing picks back and forth to one another. Even then, like Stroud threw uh, almost game-sealing uh, pick to Cam Taylor-Britt that almost got returned for a pick six, but they didn't score. They brought it back. They didn't score a touchdown. They brought it back, and Stroud won the game for him. His only competition as far as other rookie QBs in my mind, I mean, RG3, Cam Newton, Baker Mayfield, I mean, like Andrew Luck, RIP, but... These guys' careers start off in legendary ways, and all a lot of the time it's been in the modern era. I can't speak to back in the day, but like even Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, they weren't producing to this level, put up 470 yards and five touchdowns. Yes, it's a pass-heavy era, but this has not happened before. He's, in, he's seventh in total passing yards, eighth in touchdowns, and entering today's game, or yesterday's game rather, recording on Monday, had the lowest interception percentage in the NFL. He's fifth in EPA per play, according to True Media. I mean, there's a lot of context that goes into it. Bryce Young was a consensus number one guy coming out, but I mean, if you're if you're the Panthers or even the Bears, you have to be kicking yourself seeing how good this guy is playing. And then on the other side, the Bengals looked as good as they have in the last few weeks. They really should have won. They made a few mistakes down the stretch, and their record gap with the rest of the AFC North Somehow still being in last place is frustrating, but, I mean, I think you can almost throw this game away. It, like, given how much they lost early in the season, you have to you have to make up that ground. You have to make up the ground for when Joe Burrow was hurt, but I'm still, like, I'm still encouraged by their performance today despite the loss. Um, is it one of those things where the Bengals are not a playoff team anymore? No, just because, like, they're, what, a half game? They're a game back of the uh, of the Steelers and Browns and then a game and a half back of the Ravens, who also lost today in a really stupid fashion to the Browns, as a matter of fact. But, I mean, the Browns and the Steelers have Little League quarterbacks, and um, I'm not exactly encouraged when the Ravens, who I would say coming into this week were the best team in the league, are still mired by those late-game mistakes and credit to Lamar I think he's the MVP to this point but 
I don't think the Bengals are out. I would still take them over everyone in that division except the Ravens. It's just whether or not they can make up ground on the rest of the rest of the AFC. Going to CJ Stroud for a second, do you believe that his early success is maybe more akin to just the Texans being a little bit of a better team or maybe even a lot better of a team than the Panthers, right? I mean... Or is he just that much better than Bryce Young? I think it's, I mean, not to sit on the fence, but I think it's a combination of both. But honestly, to this point, like, I think if you go back, the Panthers take Stroud. I don't really think that's hot. I think that if Bryce was dropped into the situation right now, they have with D'Amico Ryans, a better support system. And even though their offensive line is so hurt, he would be doing better than he is in Carolina where he's throwing to geriatric Adam Thielen and doesn't have a running game. Like, I don't think it's been fair to Bryce, but I also think it's fair to say CJ has performed way better than anyone could have possibly hoped for. Um, Moving on, 49ers 34, Jaguars 3. The Jags went into this week averaging the 10th most points in the NFL and were just completely shut down by the Niners. Coming off of a three-day game losing streak to the Browns, the Vikings, and the Bengals, they needed to get off the schneid, and they did against a team that, frankly, I'm not sure is going to win their own division. I, Lawrence, Lawrence is befuddling just because everyone can see the talent. Everyone knows how good he is, especially to the rest of his quarterback class. He looks, he's still good, but this is something that like Richard Sherman was going off on Twitter and other people were going back and forth about. He's good, but coming into after this game, he has, I think, just over 50 touchdowns and just under 50 turnovers in his career. Hmm. That's, I mean, sorry to utter the name, but that's Blake Bortles stuff. Like, Is, is he, it too early to like start calling him an NFL failure and just like a college success? I think that's what some people are trying to argue and that he hasn't gotten better enough, but his rookie year was a wash. Last year, he was really good, and then this year, it's been up and down. But, I mean, Calvin Ridley had one good game and then has been nothing. So his his best receiver is Christian Kirk this year, and then beyond that, it's Evan Ingram and an up-and-down offensive line. The defense has gotten better, but Lawrence needs to clean up the mistakes, especially compared to someone like Purdy, who has beaten the turning back into a pumpkin allegations, but he needs to clean up mistakes more than, and tap into that talent because just watching it's, it's frustrating, not disappointing because you see everything there. Whereas a guy like a fields or to go back to Bortles, like when he had success, it didn't feel natural. It felt like an aberration. It doesn't feel like that for Lawrence. Uh, As for Purdy, any Super Bowl run that the Niners make this year is going to be credited to their defense, as it should, and their amazing skill position group. I mean, Kittle had 116 yards and a touchdown, Ayuk 55 and a tutty. C-Mac had 142 total yards, and then Debo was just there. But Purdy's fortitude against real defenses, not that the Jags aren't real, Josh Allen has been amazing. That's going to be the difference between if this defense needs to be the 2,000 Ravens for them to win the Super Bowl or if they just need to be really good. If Purdy can execute, I still think they're the best team in the league. But right now, a team like the Ravens with Lamar looks better just because they have that ceiling elevator with an elite quarterback. Um, Speaking of non-elite quarterbacks, Vikings 27, Saints 19. I think Josh Jobs is the starter going to next year. The pastronaut. The pastronaut, yeah. (laughs) Which is insane to say, since he was, I mean, it's the joke that he's just jumping team to team, five or six teams in the last two years. Three this season, right? Yeah, I mean, he got cut in training camp and then picked up by the Cardinals and started when it was between him and Clayton Toon, which that's clearly not working. Uh, But he gets traded to the Vikings, doesn't even know their damn names, and wins a game, comes in, beats the Saints. Yes, they brought in Jameis. Also, if you didn't see, that pass all the way across the field where he's rolling left and then just chucks it as hard as he can into the opposite end of the end zone is the most bold, hilarious, reckless thing I've ever seen. And I wish that every quarterback in the NFL got one mulligan per game because I would love Mahomes to just like roll to his left, chuck it as hard as he can 90 yards and be able to redo it if he gets picked because that was the funniest thing ever. 
and Jameis just plays like that all the time. <laughs> but coming into next season, I think with Kirk Cousins tearing his Achilles, I think he'll get picked up somewhere. I don't think the Vikings are going to re-sign him. And if they want to draft a young guy, a Michael Penix, a, a Bo Nix from Oregon, uh, a Spencer Rattler, which is crazy to say now, but I've seen him in the first round too, develop him behind Dobbs. He's only 28. I, you could do a lot worse. Um, moving to Steelers 23, Packers 19. Another battle of shitty QBs. Raven, is Jordan Love good? In my opinion, no. Is he bad? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's the only way to really put it. I mean, dude, you were behind Aaron Rodgers for a year, almost a year and a half, two years. Like, you, you're you learning Great. from greatness, and I feel like Packers fans, including myself, are kind of spoiled in the fact that... You don't say. <laughs> we've had, you know, generational talent for the last 20 years. So, yeah, it it, it kind of makes sense that the Packers are not good. It's going to be a few years till I think they are decent again if they are going to keep Jordan Love. But at the same time, I really do see them drafting a quarterback either this year or next year and doing the same thing they did with Jordan Love behind Aaron. Except that they get to learn from a bad QB except and a good one. I think the, um, yeah. the medicinal community and uh, the people of Mississippi are happy that uh, the reign of Packers QBs is over after Favre and Rodgers, respectively. Um, but, I mean, to your point, he has the lowest completion percentage in the league, uh, the sixth worst interception percentage behind only Jimmy G, Tyson Bajan, uh, Ryan Tannehill, Daniel Jones, and Justin Fields. I see the two Bears QBs. I'm not going to acknowledge it. Uh, and then on the other side, the Steelers have been outgained in every single game that they've played this season, and they're 6-3. and three which is Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin. It's a testament to the defense. It's a another demerit towards Matt Canada, their offensive coordinator. But, I mean, at the same time, George Pickens is good. Deontay Johnson is good. And Najee Harris runs like he's wearing, like, Wrangler jeans full with pennies in his pockets, but he's not terrible. Jalen Warren, his backup, can run. Pickett throws like the middle schoolers playing dodgeball against the high schoolers. He just doesn't have the zip and he doesn't have the decisiveness for it to matter against real NFL defenses. I know Packers fans hate Joe Barry, but I think they have enough talent to compete against a team like this. And the fact that the Steelers still come up on top, despite being behind in yardage again is befuddling and if you are a betting person, do not lay a dime on them because you will be sad every time. AFC North is the best division in football right now, right? I don't think it's a question. Not a qu- yeah, right? Every team's over 500. And, I mean, each has a weakness. Obviously, the, the Browns, it's Watson and not having Nick Chubb, um, but they have an unbelievable defense. And then the Steelers can't pass. Ravens are just kick themselves, shoot themselves in the foot once a week in some way. Every now and again, you'll get your complete blowout of the Lions, but a few weeks later, you'll get something like this where Lamar forgets how to play football for five minutes, and that's the biggest difference against good teams. And every team in that division is good. Uh, bad teams, Bucks 20, Titans 6. The Bucks D is still legit. They still have that core from their Super Bowl run. Mike Evans is having a renaissance year. Um, it seems like every week he is putting up big numbers, but and it's coming off the uh, the start of the season where he requested a trade and was very visibly pouting. But credit to the Bucks, um, the Titans, everything's going downhill. I mean, they traded away uh, they traded away Kevin Byard, and that was the signal that they they know this year is lost. Levis probably gives you enough hope that they're not gunning for one of the top QBs, but they need to add talent, continue to build the offensive line, and then replenish on the defensive line because some of them are older. Uh, Cardinals-Falcons. Arthur Smith is my hero. Jonathan Gannon, I love you. The Cardinals got their second win while the Panthers didn't. The Panthers are number one in current draft poll, draft position, and... 
Kyler Murray, while didn't look completely back, he looked fast. I mean, coming off an ACL, he still looked like quit little ant. Uh, you forget how tiny he is. He's so like, small. He's so But small. he's like built thick down low where it's like you look up his draft profile. He's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you set it up too perfect. He's like 5'9", 210. He's what Bryce Young needs to look like um, but doesn't, and that's why he's getting swallowed up by defensive linemen, whereas Kyler is thick enough to – don't scratch me again. It's thick <laughs> enough to uh, to withstand it and – they're no longer in the pole position for the number one pick. Um, I don't see why they wouldn't want it. I get it. If you, Kyler is good, but if Caleb Williams or Drake May is anything that they're portended to be, why would you be letting this happen? I, I was befuddled when they didn't trade him to the Vikings. I don't really see why you would hang on to an asset like that when it's going to actively hurt your future. Quite frankly, I mean, they have their pick in the Texans. Texans aren't going to be that bad. Okay, Will Anderson is good. It doesn't matter. It's going to be the 16th pick in like the third or fourth. And how it stands right now, the Giants, the Patriots, the Bears, the Panthers, or the Bears again, are are not going to trade back with you. They're going to take the QBs. There's no amount of draft capital you can give up that's going to get you back in that position. So shout out Arthur Smith. Um, it's not his fault that Heine got... Heineke got hurt, and that Desmond Ritter throws like he has a pool noodle for an arm. But at the end of the day, you're way more talented than this team. This team has one win. You have to be disappointed. Uh, Lions Chargers, 41-38. The Lions are real. I don't think that defense can hold up to playoff caliber offenses. The Chargers defense negatively offsets whatever Herbert is trying to do, um, and that's why they were able to outscore them and stay in this game. But if the Lions run into a, a real defense in the playoffs, they run into a Ravens or, I mean, that would be in the Super Bowl, but even in their own bracket, if they run against the Cowboys and someone like Michael Parsons is able to put a dent in them, I I think that if they're slowed down enough, just about any team can score on them. So yeah. if you're a Lions fan, you have to be worried. Yeah. And the fact that just, you know, one team has won the Super Bowl in the NFC North in the last almost 20 21 years, and that being uh, the Green Bay in 2010. And that was, okay, thanks. <laughs> thanks for the note. Um, but that was also with an elite QB. Yeah. I think Goff is good. Goff is good. I do think the team is really good. And like you said, if they run into a good defense, there's going to be problems. But if they're running into teams that, you know, just have any mediocre defense with any injury-prone offense, I think they do have a chance to get to the second round or farther. I think they're going to win their first-round matchup. Just 100%. I think they can blow someone out of the water with their offense. It's just a matter of can Goff continue to keep it together through each playoff round. He hasn't done that since he was on the Rams. I don't think it's impossible, but, I mean, we just have to see. Like... I want them, even as a Bears fan, just for how sad it is to listen to Lions fans talk and to read stats where it's like they've never made the Super Bowl, which just feels impossible when you have Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson. And They've never made a Super Bowl? They've never made the Super wow. Bowl. It's gross. Um, but rooting for them. Amon Ra is amazing. Put Jamison Williams on Mill Carton, and if Braden Staley is fired tomorrow, I wouldn't be surprised. When you said C.J. Stroud, top seven, even top five quarterback, is uh, Justin Herbert in that mix for you too, or no? Yeah, I would put Herbert above Stroud. So this, so you would say this is a lost season then for the Chargers because they're probably not making the playoffs at this rate. No, I'm. They would sneak in as the seventh seed, but even then, with that defense, they're not going anywhere. I mean, Jack last year was the chance to win a round or two and kind of legitimize Herbert's claim to a top three quarterback position, but they completely blew it to the Jags. And that has just, I think it's rolled over into this year. It's just this specter hanging over them. They blew it last year and they haven't gotten any better. Hmm. Giants Cowboys. It was disgusting. Um, Danny DeVito lives with his mom. She makes his bed. We had this one on the TV when we were recording yesterday. Yeah. I wish we didn't. Uh, (laughs) 
there's not really much else to say. The Cowboys uh, have scored 89 points on the on the Giants in two games this year. The Giants have scored 20. Um, Danny, not Danny DeVito. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Tommy DeVito's uh, father is as exasperated as all of us are having to watch it. Uh, I don't really see how the Giants win another game this year. If Daniel Jones has a torn ACL, I mean, Tyro Taylor is better, but they seem like the most serious competition for that number one pick with the Panthers because how are they favored in any other game going forward with Tommy DeVito back there? You're not. I mean, the guy eats mac and cheese for dinner, only the Kraft singles because his mom tells him to. <laughs> uh, Seahawks commanders, 29-26. Uh, Gino had an amazing second half. There's been a lot of calls for him to even get benched or for them to explore other options. Um, that's stupid. He's good. Pete Carroll said himself he was perfect to close it out. Uh, on the other side, Sam Howell isn't bad, but his one read and panic type of processing really becomes more exasperating at the end of games where those kind of mistakes are feasted on. Every single movement you make is keyed in on. He doesn't move his eyes well enough. He can run, but that can only do so much, and they stripped their defense to a degree that makes it clear that they're not trying to win. The Seahawks only beating them by three tells me that they're not that serious of a team either, but um, I just hope that Sam Howell doesn't break the sacks record. Uh, finally, Raiders-Jets, 16-12. to 12. Uh, Good for Antonio Pierce for winning this game. Um, no life form deserves to have to watch either of these teams play. They've misused uh, Devontae Adams for the entire season. Uh, boiler up for Aiden O'Connell, but no. <laughs> On a note, do you think Devontae leaves this year or the beginning of next I year? I think once a game, there's a clip of him like spiking his helmet or spitting in Jimmy Garoppolo's Gatorade that makes you think that He's going to get traded. That didn't actually happen. That no, makes you no, think that he's going to get traded. But the thing. fact that he didn't push for it before the deadline tells me that he's going to wait till the offseason. Yeah, but it has to be frustrating as a player when you come to play with a specific guy and then that team just trades them immediately. Yeah, I mean, I think the Raiders are an interesting, an interesting case study in how to build a team because... At the very start of the year, they, I mean, they still have, they're five and five. They don't have a bad record, but Jimmy Garoppolo comes in as this stopgap QB after they let Carr go. I mean, it's probably a wash between them. Carr's probably even looked a little worse, but Garoppolo's gun shy. He's been hurt so many times. He was leading the league in interceptions at one point, but putting in O'Connell at least gives you some kind of hope for the future. You got rid of McDaniels, who was a Patriot toe sucker and I don't really I don't see why Devontae would want to stay there's no future here yeah. they've already won too many games to be out of the race five the Cardinals aren't going to win five games they might but they're probably not Giants aren't going to win five games the Panthers aren't going to win five games so. so they're still in it but it's not looking good for them trade him for a first round pick if you can and then just you move on let him move on and try to rebuild while Josh McDaniels steals the rest of your money. Is he not a free agent at the end of this year, or does he have no. another year left on his deal? No. Yeah, I think another he has another year, year after this. Okay. Um, so you can get a first-round pick back. Probably not the same two-first deal that you got from the first place, but maybe it's, one. it's Devontae Adams. Like, yeah, gonna he's going to be worth something. But yeah, trade, him to, trade him to the Texans, honestly. All right. But on uh, that note, we're going to take a little break here. Yeah. Um, we'll be right back. And we're back, starting off, coming around the NBA, focusing on the Pistons and Bulls. Uh, we're obviously based out of Chicago, and this team, like the Bears, makes me sad every waking moment. Uh, Bulls came back down from the Pistons at half to win 119-108. Free Caruso. I mean, the, the man scored 19 points, four rebounds, two assists, with three steals and two blocks. He was plus 24 in a game that they won by nine. He is the most positive presence on this team. He is the best defender by far. He's He literally is an all-NBA defender, and 
like the more that I go through it, I sincerely think that in the event of a teardown, which I think is at this point almost inevitable, you're going to get more for Caruso than you're going to get for Levine. Levine is signed through 26-27 at over $40 million a year, and it has a $48 million player option in 26 and 27. He's probably picking that up. Caruso is $9.4 million this year, $9.8 million next. Plays all NBA defense, has solid tertiary playmaking skills to help off the ball. Whether that's just touch passes, he can dribble a little, but I mean, no one's going to ask him to do that if they were to bring him in in a role player context. And he's a good enough three-point shooter to space out the floor. He's been great this year, almost 40%, but it's on really low volume. He's more valuable on a better deal, and with the Bulls being 4-6 four and six and having the 20th-rated point differential in the league, I don't, I don't know why they came into this year with the same roster, essentially, as last year. Still no Lonzo. Still Levine as your best player, ostensibly. Resigning Vooch to that contract. I mean, like, sure, it's within his value, but why do you need him? You're not getting better. I think that if GM Arturis Karnasovas thought he was in the position to blow things up and still keep his job, he would have. I don't think he feels that way. Otherwise, they would have already. Yeah, speaking about the Bulls and Pistons, like, talk about the Pistons a little bit, just because... The Pistons... I mean, their record is terrible. Their record is terrible, but they've been playing decent basketball from what I've seen. And, you know, if they might still be terrible, but that could land them another pick in the grand scheme of things. So I don't see how many why times that's a bad can you thing. just like pick these guys, though, and just have a collection of players like you. Is I mean, it Oklahoma it's, City it, kind of doing that where they have all these like dudes already? You got Shea, you got Lou Dort, you got Chet Holmgren, right? But don't they have just like a bevy of picks coming up yeah, but in the near future too? Part of the problem too is that the Bulls would have the same thing where they could just get a collection of young guys and sort through them and hopefully two of four hits. But they gave up the picks that became Franz Wagner and now Anthony Black to Orlando. Wagner's good. Yeah. Drop Franz Wagner on this team. They are objectively better. They have a great wing in the middle and someone who's frankly better than Patrick Williams can start. Williams can hold up as a defender, but he has not. He's the Florida State kid, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, he has not developed in any translatable way offensively. He's not an on-ball guy. It's like looking at the Pistons, using them as the analogy here, the Bulls are only two games better. It's not like they're that different. Cunningham is in the, I think, the 100th percentile for usage percentage in the league. He has, he's getting so many reps, and he is the focal point of their seemingly heliocentric offense around him. Jaden Ivey's getting buried, but his efficiency is not... I mean, he's still young. Like, Monty Williams is not playing people to the amount that he should as far as the rotation goes. Killian Hayes plays way more than a, than someone who can't shoot or dribble with his right hand should, but at least they have a direction. Asar Thompson is already a defensive menace, even if he has a long way to go on the ball as an offensive player, but... He's cutting. He's making effort plays. The Bulls don't have guys like that. Kobe White gets the ball. He dribbles the air out of it. He shoots, and Levine throws his arms up. The team doesn't have chemistry. The team should have been broken up last year. This is not like anything against them as players. Levine is a good scorer. Caruso is amazing. Vooch is a great like middle-of-the-pack big, but there's... Tomorrow's up for an extension, right? Why would you extend him? Well, I've just I, I've heard that there's been some extension talks. And yeah, and I don't get it. Like, yeah, I, I agree. They should move him, but you can get something for him. You'll get more than you have to get the Spurs in the first place. He's still good and can provide something to, like I don't know, maybe the Clippers can trade for him and throw his career down the drain too. <laughs> uh, moving yeah, on. That was to say, good moving point. Over to the Hornets, Knicks. Hornets one hundred seven, Knicks one twenty nine. Um, the, the class act, uh, citizens of, of Charlotte, the Hornets, um, gotta feel bad for him, man. No, I mean, not really. Like, I think Lamelo's good. I think, but if he and Rogier aren't playing, then the guard def is so terrible that they can't score enough to keep up with teams like even the Knicks who just dropped a buck 29 on their heads. Um, it's a bummer. I think they would have been, I think Miller's good, but they would have been one of those teams that if they got Wimbenyama, it changes the entire course of their franchise. Other decisions that they've made, notwithstanding, 
I I think they have good players. I, I know they lost Ubre, who has been playing well for the Sixers, but there's enough good young guys that, and hopefully Hayward can stay healthy enough to be a veteran presence that why are they not better? It's it's because of a lack of depth and a lack of development from people outside LaMelo. He's great. He scored more than he ever has this year and is shooting well enough to justify it, but I don't know. Uh, the Wizards and Nets was a, a poop show, um, 94-102. Neither of these teams has a star. Mikhail Bridges has still been good, but he is not a number one. I think the Nets have more hope of sneaking into the play-in than someone like the Wizards who... Uh, Jordan Poole hates his teammates more than just about anyone I've ever seen in the sense that, actually, I take that back. He hates them almost as much as he hated his teammate on the Warriors. Um, Can't really get higher than that bar, but he's a gunner. I kind of love it because you don't get enough guys these days that are just in the Dion Waiters mindset of, if I get that shit, I'm shooting it. But (laughs) It's true, but like... (laughs) <laughs> the team itself is not happy with it. He shoots a lot of those Trey Young pull-ups where it's like, what are you doing? He makes three out of ten of them, but that's nowhere good enough, and he looks so pissed when he doesn't get to shoot them again. Did you see that he tried to copy Steph's turnaround three and failed miserably? Or, and there was the clip of him looking away on the shot and completely breaking it. Exactly. Like, Nick Young shit, like, Whatever. Uh, the Grizzlies 105, Clippers 101. Clippers are worse since they traded for James Harden, which is hilarious for a coast of reasons. But 121 points per game before the trade, 104 since playing Western, yeah, 104 points per game since uh, they traded for Harden. Excluding the Mavs. How many from, games has he played for them? Four. Oh, really? Mavs, Knicks, uh, Grizzlies, and Brooklyn. All losses, and especially in the case of the Grizzlies and Brooklyn and Knicks with struggling Randall, they, they're giving up a ton of points to teams that aren't that good on offense, and he's clearly disrupting the flow of their game. Kawhi and George don't need to be set up. They're on-ball players themselves, so you bring in Harden to be his heliocentric self and run things like he's done for the Rockets and even a little in Brooklyn when he actually played in Philly and B liked it to be set up. They were a good pair. He led the league in assists last year, but he doesn't fit on this team. And I think that's starting to become apparent. And it might get worse before it gets better. Especially with, um, if you jump over to Sixers, they beat the Pacers 137-126. And uh, Bede and Maxi both 25 points in the first half. And Maxi, the youngest Sixers player with 50 points since AI. I was looking through it. Um, Tyrese Maxey's draft comp was Katino Moby, who was just like a chucker guard. Uh, but his shot profile is pretty similar. Mobley was 40 plus percent from three each year and is averaging 15 to 18. But Maxey moves off ball. He fights on D, even if he's not that good. And like, I know it's sacrilege, but a lot of it's almost Curry esque. And if you have a guy playing like that next to Embiid, I don't really see how they're not better. They brought in playable wings with Robert Covington and Nick Batum when they traded for Harden, or they traded Harden away, rather. I mean, I I don't think that it, it's trying to wax positive about, about the situation to say that they got better. They put the car keys in the hands of a guard who plays better with Embiid. A little bit more depth, maybe, too. Yeah, and it fills out the wing rotation in a way they didn't have before. Embiid called him the franchise on Twitter, which is sick. Um, on the other end, the Pacers lost, but Halliburton is first in assist and 46th in turnovers, according to Stat Muse. Um, a lot like Maxi, I mean, the more responsibilities that Halliburton is given, he just excels in it every time. He's not great on defense, but improving every year. And I think that might inch him close to being like evolutionary Jason Kidd, I mean, he's a big guard where if he can step up and guard for real on defense over the next few years and get his body into people, he already shoots way better than Kidd ever did. Like, I think that's a fair comparison. Is this kid on the USA Olympic team next summer? I hope. Yeah. He was one of the highlights of it uh, in the in the World Cup. Yeah. He was one of the reasons they didn't get embarrassed in some of those games. You just have to wonder how many of those guys are actually going to take now because the big boys always go to the Olympics. So, like, you know, 
Yeah, I've seen this. I've seen Halliburton as a bit of a fringe guy, so you know maybe he's playing his way into it. I think he's he might be an All Star starter this year. The way things are going, I think he would justify a spot, even if it's like you have to take back seat to the LeBrons and Katies yeah. of the world. But considering, I mean, like we talked about this a little, it was kind of embarrassing. Like I know the rest of the world has caught up in basketball, but to go in there and perform lose to Canada and lose to Canada. Canada was better than them. Who cares about Canada? They were like, better than them. Yeah, but like, yeah. They had a better team on the court. Yeah, but yeah. I know. <laughs> you have to show up. You can't lose and, you know. Well, I mean, that's... When the best players don't show up. But that, you know, that's, that's just how it is. That's just how it is, though. It's not an excuse, though. I mean, if you don't go, it's not like you can say, it's like, oh, we didn't bring our best guys. Okay, like... No, your best guys didn't want to go. Exactly. Like, they didn't go. Yeah, because, so. I mean, look what Paul George did years ago. Yeah, and that's what people use to justify it. But, like, that happens, that can happen in any NBA game. And I understand that there's a certain amount of risk inherent to playing more and more basketball. Look at a guy like Yao Ming, whose career got shortened by so much because he was playing basketball 10, 11 months of the year because he would go back to China and play too. I get it. And from that perspective, especially for a guy like LeBron and Durant, they don't want to put that mileage on their bodies. But I think for basketball to grow as an international game, they need to put an emphasis on it. They need to encourage the highest level of American stars to come out, and they need to keep trying to recruit guys like Embiid to play for them in the Olympics. Yeah, but then when Embiid doesn't show up for the World Cup, like you have a guy like Austin Reeves who probably won't make the Olympic roster, but he played his heart out at the summer, and he was one of their better players, you know? Yeah, but he had to, like, up to almost fours because they just didn't have enough depth and Jaron Jackson Jr. can't rebound. Moving on. Back to NBA. Yeah. Uh, Heat 118, Spurs 113. The Heat win their fifth in a row to pull out their early skid. Bam looks like a monster and seems like he's on track to finally win the Defensive Player of the Year award after, to put it kindly, crying about it uh, each of the last few years. Um, I think that they miss Struce as far as shooting goes and Vincent has been very mixed bag with the Lakers but his point of attack defense would be coming in great handy at the moment uh DePaul legend Max Struce DePaul legend Max Struce DePaul legend Max Struce uh Maz 136 Pelicans 124 Maz are tied for the lead in the west Kyrie has finally started to heat up the last two games 35 points on good efficiency 27 the game before on decent enough Luka in my mind, is the early season MVP favorite. He's shooting over 40% for three on almost 10 a game, which is more than he's ever done. He's leading the league in point average. He has been emboldened to continue to be the league leader in usage percentage or near the top. He has guys like Grant Williams and Dorian Finney-Smith and Tim Hardaway Jr. off ball, stroking threes. I saw something where Dorian uh or Dorian Finney-Smith is on the Nets. Point being, he has not had a guy since Finney-Smith that could do that, but now it's Hardaway picking up that slack. Grant Williams is filling Smith's role. These guys are providing enough support that someone as dynamic as Luka can carry the team himself in a way that I don't think we've seen since Harden was in his peak in the Rockets. And I know that's a negative comparison because they never won, but that team would win almost 60 games every year. So if they can keep going like that and Kyrie can continue to carry his weight, they're gonna be they're gonna be serious at the end of the year. Uh, Nuggets one hundred four, Rockets one hundred seven. The Nuggets are still good. It's a blip in the pan. They don't have Murray. That's really the only thing to say there. Uh, Jokic is amazing. Serious injury, long term or no? Hamstring. He'll be out for a few weeks. Okay. Uh, it seems ideally not long. Nothing related to the last injury. No, not his oh, knee. Okay, but. On the other side, the, the Rockets might be legit. Uh, no disrespect to Van Vliet, but they don't have a true point guard, but it hasn't mattered with Alperin Shangun, my hero and my love, uh, averaging over six assists a game and not really com- turning the ball over often, especially for a young guy. He can't shoot and has cinder blocks for feet, but he has active enough hands to get in the way on defense. Um, Jalen Green is really efficient from three. Dylan Brooks looks like he's worth his contract, which is surprising to everyone. Uh, Udoka has them playing a lot harder than last year, which 
I mean, I don't think that's a surprise after watching how Steven Silas coached the team. Barring injury, I think they have a good enough rotation to make the playoffs, but their youth concerns me where if they don't have a guy like Asar Thompson actually step into a real role and take on-ball duties, I get concerned that Green and Van Vliet might, not because they're bad players, but because they're not true point guards. They're two guards, swing guards, however you want to put it. They can't control an offense the way that a guy like even, I don't know, like a Trey, uh, Trey Jones on the Spurs, like someone like that that comes in and settles things down. Or Tyus Jones on the Wizards. Getting a guy like that in, I think, can make a huge difference, even if they're not going to light up the box score. Uh, Thunder, 111, Suns, 99. Only had Durant and Beal, but it's hard not to be concerned. Like, you can say, oh, they didn't have Booker this game. Booker's only played two games this season. They didn't have Beal all these games. They don't have Durant this game. At a certain point when they keep missing games and it's just the beginning of the year, why is that going to get better? Especially with stuff like these soft tissue injuries. When you play professional sports, you can see it in hockey, you can see it in football, you can see it anywhere. If the Suns, these guys are old. If the Suns keep having these injuries, there's no reason to think that they're going to be at the top of the West for sure. And then the role players aren't good enough. Nurkic has been acceptable, like, offensively. He had a couple of flippins that won the game that made it look better, but he still can't play defense. He's still old, and he's injury-prone, too. After that, you're rocking with the dregs behind even Nurkic. Aiton wasn't dominating, but he was uh, he was at least a positive presence, I would think. He hasn't been great on, on the Blazers, but it is what it is. Uh, Timberwolves 116, Warriors 110. Uh, Timberwolves are third in point differential and as of recording are still the number one defense in the league in points per possession. Uh, We can talk about Cat and how he's been underwhelming offensively, but honestly, if they're winning, I think it's okay. If you can move Cat for someone who more naturally fits in next to Gobert, who's been such a positive defensive presence. Yeah, Rudy Gobert has really helped that team. He has really filled in this year where last year it was a clunky fit. It was, and like... I think they really understood where Gobert and Cat are going to be, like what their roles are going to be. It does seem like they're going to be switching some defensive like loads to say, but like on offense, it does seem like Cat is trying to be more of like a stretch four. He's trying to be deferential, I think, which is different. And I, in theory, right, but he's not being efficient enough. And then he, is still not great on defense, but it hasn't mattered because of the damage to the rest of them. Their point of attack are Conley and Edwards have been mostly great. Edwards, when he locks in and uses athleticism and plays real on-ball defense, I'm not the first person to say he looks like Dwayne Wade, but he can lock people up when he's engaged in focus because he's more athletic than anyone he plays. I, I, I sincerely think he is the best two-guard in the league. I mean, I pulled it up that... The only competition in my mind is Booker, but like looking at it, Booker's only played two games this year, so it's not a fair comparison, but he's averaging 28, five and six on 54 from the field, 36 from three at like, that's real numbers. Like yeah. again, going to that's prime Wade numbers. And Anthony, playing, Anthony is a generational talent that the, T-Wolves are really taking advantage of right now. It's it's a good thing to it's see a, them winning. It's a bummer that he's on a team owned by A-Rod, but like yeah. he is amazing and deserves... I think he's taken the mantle from Jaw as the next great American player where everything that's happened and has stepped in. He's charismatic enough to do it too. People love him. Yeah, I, I think he's the face of, like we were just talking about, USA Basketball. Edwards is the young face of it for the next decade. Yeah, he'll be on that team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Blazers, Lakers, 116, 110. Not that exciting, but 37 to 9 free throw differential for the Lakers. They have had the highest free throw differential for the last two seasons, um, dwarfing the Magic by several hundred. So, you know, do with that what you will. And then finally, um, simply because Tassos hadn't heard of this until about 45 minutes ago, shout out to the Atlanta Hawks um, for. Acts deserving of a restraining order. Uh, do you want me to? Last week. Do you want me to? I do want you to play it. Um, That'll be the outro for this segment. 
I kind of like that. So, uh, here's the clip. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't, uh, context, this was promoting the in-season tournament. And the Hawks, the Atlanta Hawks, decided to use their mascot, Harry the Hawk, to film an OnlyFans promo video to promote the in-season tournament. Only Hawks fans know where the real action is. Only Hawks fans know what they really want to see. And only Hawks fans know just where to get it. The all-new NBA in-season tournament. Join in and wake up your wild side. Hot 5 on 5 action. It is so bad. It is so uncomfortable. We'll be right back. Coming back in, uh, talking a little bit more about some hockey. It is no small secret that both the person in this room and other people on this network are very uh, knowledgeable about hockey and are going to be talking about it a lot in a way that's going to honestly draw a lot more people. But I've always been a football and a basketball guy. I love watching hockey. It's just never been my main thing. However, however, there is an exception being, he's everyone's exception when it comes to Chicago hockey fans, Fairweather fans that are tuning in back now for Bedard. Like, I mean, he's all over everywhere. He's like, everywhere. He's, he's the everywhere. legend, bro. Like already. ESPN, Paulista Maton. And constantly. Yeah. It's, it, like, it's a lot NHL like Wembenyama where it's just constant. Mm-hmm. And the comparison for me, like growing up, I didn't super get into sports until I was like six or seven probably. And my idols were, at first it was just playing with like Jordan and 2K10. And then Derrick Rose was great. And that was something I was super excited about. And then he got hurt. And then it was... Honestly, after that, I mean, maybe Jimmy Butler, but they were never that good. And then at that time, at that time, he wasn't that good. Yeah. And then Justin Fields' jersey I bought right after he got drafted. That was a mistake. Um, I think this is the most fervor that Chicago has shown towards a uh, shown towards a new rising young star since then. I mean, Patrick Kane, Patrick Kane, probably since Kane in the. In the hockey realm. And Derrick Rose. And Taze. And Derrick Rose. And, I mean... Kane and Taze, yeah. Kane and Taze. My point is that it's it's a different feeling, and it's cool, because I haven't seen a hockey game in years. And, like, my father's coming to town, and we're going to go see him. And that's exciting. And I just... I don't know. I wanted to ask, like, what Bedard means to the rest of the hockey landscape. Like, you already talked about it. So, I think with Bedard, the big thing is um, a lot of people have been arguing um, that the... Blackhawks may not even really deserve him. You have the whole Kyle Beach sexual assault situation that went down. Yeah. And um, they're being sued again by another player off that same team, one of the Black Aces, um, saying that he was also a victim of Brad Aldrich. Just a terrible, terrible thing. And the Blackhawks, in a lot of people's eyes, outside of maybe our market here in Chicago, really feel that they should have been penalized for that, but outside of a fine. Um the Ottawa Senators just got danged a first-round pick for not communicating that a certain player, Evgeny, Evgeny Dadanov, had a no-trade list. And it's a it's a harsh penalty, in my opinion, right? Um, but when you really look at it, the, a lot of teams, or two teams, the Vegas and Anaheim, lost a lot of money because of that miscommunication. So when you really boil it down and the millions of dollars that it's worth, yeah, you, you see the first-round pick. I think the Hawks probably should have not been able to use that selection to draft Connor Bedard. Um, But that being said, it just means so much to this market because you have that incident that a lot of people look at even those Stanley Cup teams in 10, 13, 15 a little bit differently, right? A a little bit with Stan Bowman being the GM and Q being the coach. A lot of people here still love Q, um, but... It, it's a really hard situation. So the the Connor Bedard being here allows this city to kind of move forward 
right? And when when you really look at it, and the Bears aren't that good, and the Bulls aren't that good, and the Cubs are maybe on the upswing, but if they get Otani, but this kid is just please. Oh yeah, I don't think that's gonna happen. But we can pray. We can pray. We can, it would be fun. Um, our studio, just so everybody knows, is right around the corner from Wrigley Field. So if uh, <laughs> if that happens, there's a there's chance that a scene. lot of us would go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, But back to Bedard. I mean, he just is going to be the face of what could be a championships for the city multiple. Uh, for the next 10, 15 years, he's a really... He sees a lot of Sidney Crosby in himself, right? Um, so, you know, he sees that Crosby's been in Pittsburgh 20 years, and um, I think that that means a lot to him. And he's he's just cut from the same cloth, and nine goals in 13 games, Hawks record, obviously. It's, it, it's really special. It's fun that this franchise kind of gets the opportunity to turn a new page. Do you think Bedard is he- healing hockey culture in Chicago? Um, After what has happened with Beach and all the tumult that came with it, I think that's more on ownership. Um, yeah, I mean, we're going to see what the Wurtz family, they stole in the Hawks. Obviously, they didn't sell the team. And if they can really change that culture from the top down, I mean, it was never the players, right? It was never the players' fault that that happened, that it didn't get addressed when it did. Um, that's a higher up issue. So. I think Bedard more like it's on the ice. The focus can be on the ice as opposed to, oh, there's all this negative stuff about the Blackhawks and a lot of things that we should be asking. And they're terrible on the ice right now. It's like all that other stuff. Plus you have. Okay. Right on. Um, and, um, yeah, it just, it just means that this, uh, City can move forward a little bit in the healing process, right? But it, it's going to take a lot more than that. As not necessarily a Hawks faithful, first and foremost, do you think they deserve this chance to move forward? With no, no, no. But they got it because do you think, Dan, Dan NHL wasn't going to put Connor Bedard in Arizona. That's exactly what I was going to say. Do Anaheim you think if or Arizona or Anaheim wins the number one pick, do you, and they were in the same situation? He doesn't go. He go. doesn't go. No, he pulls an Eric Lindros or uh, Peyton Manning, right? Did that? Um, yeah. yeah. Or the, the Eli Manning t- for uh, Philip Rivers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. So anyway, on a more positive note, so starting this week and going forward for at least uh, the NFL season, and then we'll see how it goes. Uh, I am going to uh, pick a couple bets during the week. Uh, odds provided by no free ads. Um, and each of these I've picked out. What is it? Five today. And we're going to have uh, Raventon, Gasonius, the Demon Lord, read them off before uh, before I pick. And then we'll go back and forth. These guys will pick against me and I'll put a couple bucks down on each. And whoever wins will recap. All right. Starting with the Bucks. Bucks Bulls tonight on the 13th. Yes. Both at minus 110, nine and a half. What's your pick? Um, the Bucks are favored by nine and a half. I don't, I don't think this team is good enough to justify being almost 10 points favorites on anyone who isn't the absolute dregs of the league. I think the Bulls are bad, but they're not living in the basement quite yet unless they start trading guys. Their pick and roll defense is terrible ever since losing Holiday and Middleton is not the same wing defender he once was. So I'm going to take the the bulls cover in the nine and a half and i'm going to make fun of raven when it works Boo. anyways speaking of ravens ravens bangles bangles minus three and a half at minus 110 ravens plus yeah same deal um i think that oh god it sucks because I think this is the kind of divisional game where no matter how good I think the Ravens are, uh, it's going to stay close. And that half a point, it's staying there. I, it scares me. And I think the Bengals are are good enough that if they lose, that it'll be by three. So I'm comfortable taking the Bengals at the points. And if that way, if they lose by three, I still have it. And if not, oh well. And along the same vein... Uh, 
The other one I have here, sorry, Raventon, uh, is Ravens at minus three and a half and under 43 and a half. That's at plus 320. Um, and then the other side is Bengals and the over. So essentially, I'll let I'll let you guys pick because it's essentially you think the Ravens are going to win because it's low scoring or the Bengals are going to win because it's high scoring. I'll throw this one to Tassos. Bengals. Bengals. Give me Bengals. Over. Okay. Well, I'll make that easy. Well, that makes that very easy. Oh, we got Bears, Lions, over 46 and a half at minus 110, or the under at the same minus 110. I think the Lions are going to smack them silly. So, I mean, I'll again, I'll let you guys choose. Do you think that, because the Lions defense has, they let up 38 to the Chargers, but otherwise they've been pretty good. I'll let you take over or under because I'm comfortable with either. I think the Lions will probably smack them around and it'll go over just purely off that, but I'll let you pick. Might be 49 nothing. When you say it like that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, Cam- Cameron Tassos just died. So anyways, um, I do think it's going to be the over. Both those teams just have been scoring a lot. And I feel, feel like it's since both teams are not the greatest, it's going to be over. And then another one I found that I thought was fun was just the Bears' second half over under is seven and a half points. And if they're getting pumped after the first half and the Lions start to put their backups in or they take the their foot off the gas, I think there's garbage time potential where Bajan's good enough to work it down the field if the Lions are playing soft coverage because they can afford to because they're up by three touchdowns. So I kind of like them to be able just to get a touchdown and a field goal, but I'll let you guys decide. Tassos? I have no opinion. I have no opinion. The Bears suck. <laughs> All right. I, I, I'm throwing the under on that. Okay. That's fair. You're mean. I uh, am mean. Uh, in that vein, in making fun of Raven, uh, I'll give you the floor on Craig Council, Benedict Arnolding to the better franchise. So, yeah, um, I'm a Brewers fan, like, grown up, been through all the tough times. You know, when he was on the team in 2011, it's like – that was amazing. That was like one of his last years playing. And then he comes out saying he wants to be a manager and chooses to be managing for the Brewers. That was amazing. He did great. I feel like every year that he was managing, he produced a good enough team with what they have for money, albeit that being nothing. But that being said, it's they made the point where they could get to the playoffs consistently, even if they were getting out immediately in the wild card race or you know, making it around and then throwing the bed against Arizona like they did this year. They were good enough to make the teams consistently in the fact that he's leaving kind of shocked me, but him coming to the Cubs is even more just, you know, dirt in the wound because it is so close and they are divisional rivals, if you want to call them that, because, you know, Cardinals have destroyed both of us the last 20 years, but we don't need to speak about that. We don't talk about that. Yeah, that doesn't. That doesn't happen here. But, yeah, I think it it just kind of sucks. I don't know what the Brewers are going to really do now for managing position, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see with the team that he left behind how they're going to adjust in that new spot. Yeah, I mean, Council was 707 and 625 over nine years in Milwaukee. Which is a great record for being in Milwaukee. And in Milwaukee, when they regularly had the lowest payroll, or one of the lowest um, payrolls in the league. But, I mean, he's the Brewers franchise leader in wins. Yeah. To get a guy like that, especially to move. I feel bad for Ross because the guy guy came in. uh, He's a hero from the World Series team. And he kind of just kind of was unceremoniously pushed out for – I mean, no one's going to deny that Creative Council is a better manager. It's He's up there with like the Kevin Cashes of the world of squeezing something out of nothing. To me, that's the true watermark of a great coach, no matter the sport. Like, yeah. you, worse talent, better results. Um, it's excited. impressive. Yeah, it's going to be cool what he does. It's gonna, It sucks as a Brewers fan seeing this in Chicago, but... You guys can take John Schneider from the Blue Jays from us. <laughs> you can keep him. Yeah. Tell me how you really feel. He took out her, Jose Barrios when he absolutely shouldn't have and cost them a series Genius against the stroke. Twins. It was terrible. 
terrible. I can't believe that. And then they kept him after that. And Hey, but you got Vladdy. We'll see if he can rebound a little bit. It was a tough season. It True. was a really tough year for the kid. Shout out to Gunnar Henderson for being named Rookie of the Year today. Um, Orioles got screwed. I have no other thoughts. Um, Shout out Haley Cavender for transferring to TCU. I saw that. That, that was, was really the first cool thing too. I brought up to Zach today when I saw her him. sister still playing in Miami. Oh, yes. I can can search it up. It's not that important. Yeah, it's not. But either way, no, that was impressive too. Um, shout out. The uh, Grammy-nominated R's this week. A lot of ones that I liked were nominated. Uh, shout out Boy Genius and Noah Khan. Cool. Which was fun. Um, thank you to Tassos and Raven for being here. Thank you to everyone who listened to the first episode and uh, sticking through it. Um, I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. Thank you to Alethio. And well, you all have a great day. Peace.